This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles, Acts chapter 11. We come to the end of this chapter, a text that probably is not that familiar to us. Uh, Preachers don't usually pick this as one of their favorites, but I'll have to tell you after studying this week for the message, it's become one of my favorites. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is what? It's profitable. And I think you'll see how profitable these last four verses of chapter 11 are. Our study in Acts has allowed us to see the power of the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now to the Gentiles. In just two chapters, chapter 13, we'll see the first missions team go out and they're going to take the gospel to the uttermost parts. But the stage has been set and every people group that Jesus mentioned that we're to go to, that the church is to share the gospel with, now they have been contacted with this great truth. We've also seen that in every chapter, the Spirit's power has enabled the church to carry out Jesus' specific orders. Remember before he went back to heaven? He said, ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. The power of the Holy Spirit then is seen in every chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. But there have been some significant changes in the church at Jerusalem during this time. At the start, everyone's needs were being met because the believers had all things common. Remember that from chapter 4, verse 32? Those who had land and houses sold them. They brought the money to the apostles who then distributed to everyone in the church as they had need. That's later in chapter 4, verses 34 and 35. However, when Stephen was martyred, and Saul began to violently persecute the church, the times of refreshing, chapter 3, verse 19, turned into a time of tribulation and flight out of the city. Those early days after Pentecost, they they were exciting days. By the way, the excitement didn't stop. God continued to work. But what happened in that church turned into this. When you went to church... When you met with the believers in the church in Jerusalem, whether it was uh, initially, even the location, was everyone gathered on the Temple Mount. That changed. They were meeting in houses. They were meeting in secrecy. And when you met, it was not uncommon to see who was not there because they had been prisoned and put to death for their faith. Or you didn't see friends, church family, because they had scattered. They had gotten out of Jerusalem uh, because they wanted to go. Yes, where there was less persecution, but now they understood God doesn't want us to stay in Jerusalem. We need to get out and share the good news of the gospel. 
And so everywhere they went, they were proclaiming the gospel. Then we get to chapter 9, and the church had rest when the chief persecutor became a Christian. Saul was converted. But at this point, fellow believers are dead. Many others have fled the area. Now they were about to get more bad news. What's the bad news? Chapter 11, notice verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit. In other words, he testified, he showed them from a me- through a message from the Holy Spirit that there should be great dearth, a great famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. That's the bad news. So along with persecution, that by the way continued when we get into the chapters that immediately follow this, uh, where Saul left off before he was saved, now Herod and others are going to increase the persecution again. So churches will go through seasons of blessing and refreshing from the Lord. We know that. But here's the reality. Are you listening? Those seasons transition and sometimes very quickly into periods that are marked by trial and even great persecution. You don't always know where the attack's going to come from. But this is the reality for the church. In all of that, we need to remember the words, the promise the Lord gave us in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by or through Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Is the Lord ever limited in his provision by the human circumstances we face? Yes or no? No. In fact, it's in those hard times that he proves his greatness. We're going to see that in the text this morning. The supply is always the riches of Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that. Boy, am I glad I've got this friend who knows about my need. No, no, no. Thank God for your friend who God enables to supply your need. It's always Jesus Christ. But in our text, we're going to see that the Lord does supply through other believers who have been helped by those who are now facing trials. The church at Jerusalem had been a great help to the church at Antioch, and now the church at Antioch was going to reciprocate. This is awesome. They're going to give back. And so I've entitled the message this morning, Saying Thanks by Giving Back. And we're going to see this cooperative effort where it's just, well, this is my church, here's us, and then there's, here's this church, and it's just, a, no, no, no. Same team, same cause, same Lord, same baptism, working together to reach this world that desperately needs our Savior. 
So let's look back again at chapter 11, verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Now, there are several things happening in our short text. The first mention of prophets in the church is recorded right here. Uh, now, we know that there are other prophecies that said when Christ came in his ministry uh, that there would be young men, young ladies, who would prophesy. So this is the fulfillment of that, but this is the first time that we see prophets in the New Testament in action. Now, who are they? Well, the Holy Spirit equips some with this gift in the early church to assist God's people. Consider with me Acts, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 2 and verse 20. It tells us that these apostles and the prophets helped to build the foundation of the church on Christ. Look at the verse. And, and in the context, those in the household of God are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Not Old Testament prophets, New Testament prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And we also know that this was one of the leadership gifts that God gave to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And here's what Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 say. And he, the Holy Spirit, gave some prophet or apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, apostles, prophets, that's book of Acts. Later on, apostles and prophets would pass off the scene. In fact, that's going to happen very soon here uh, in the early church. Uh, but at this point, God is using them, along with evangelists and the pastor-teacher gift, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. These are the mentors. These are the coaches. These are the trainers. They can't do all the work themselves, but God's called them to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. As the saints together with the leaders in the church help to mature and equip uh, saints to help build up the body of Christ as well as reach the lost. So that, that's the picture here we see in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. New Testament prophets received messages directly from the Lord and they delivered them to the church. In our context, a famine is coming. God sends a prophet to tell those in Antioch what is about to happen. And we can assume that uh, this prophet had already shared with the church in Jerusalem, here's what's coming. But now he goes and he shares it with the church in Antioch. These prophets delivered revelation from the Lord until the revelation of Scripture was written and completed. And then when that which is perfect happened, that which was in part, prophets, was done away. Now let me share a caution. There are still those today who claim to be apostles and prophets. 
that's a problem. First of all, an apostle was someone who had been called to be an apostle, and the main, uh, along with being called of the Lord, the main requirement was they had to have seen in person Jesus Christ. Got news for you, nobody today claiming to be an apostle has seen Jesus. Even the apostle Paul had seen the Lord. In his unconverted state on the way to Damascus, he saw Jesus. He saw the glorified Jesus, which is why he lost his sight until God miraculously gave him his sight back. But he had seen Jesus. All right. So Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, I want to give you a biblical basis for this, that a day was coming when prophesying would literally vanish away. Why? Chapter 13, verse 10. When that which is perfect is come, completed scripture, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now this is very practical, folks. We don't need a new word from the Lord to satisfy our curiosity. We need to know what he has already spoken to stir our hearts to do his will. We don't need new revelation. We need to obey and follow the revelation we have. God has given us all things that pertain on, to life and godliness, how to live life, how to be godly, please the Lord. And that's through the knowledge of Christ as it's revealed right here. But in our context, the Lord was still speaking through prophets to guide and strengthen this fledgling church. Now in verse 28, the first of the church prophets is named. Again, the, their prophets came down from Jerusalem, but only one is named. Verse 28, there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit, again a direct word from the Lord, that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now how was this a help to the church? Well, as the church did its gospel work, they also needed to prepare for a great famine. As we serve the Lord here, there are physical factors. Certainly the church knew about persecution, but now there was going to be a problem with provision uh, because uh, the, the natural way that God has ordained for food to be supplied, that was going to be greatly affected. Contemporary historians at this time wrote of the famine in Judea as being particularly severe. There was famine throughout the world, but it, it seems to have been especially a problem in Judea. In fact, Josephus, the Jewish, Jewish historian, wrote that many died in the region at this time because people couldn't afford to purchase the little food that there was. Food prices got so high that the average person couldn't pay for food. History tells us that the famine reached its most desperate point in 45 AD. So it's a historical fact. Now why would Agabus be led of the Lord to travel from Jerusalem 300 miles to Antioch 
to deliver this prophecy. Why? Well, this is the main point of our text. The spiritual principle is this. If others have been a spiritual blessing to you, you should be a blessing back to them. Let me say that again. If others have been a spiritual blessing to you, and right now maybe a church, maybe a person or a a married couple or a friend, if they've been a spiritual blessing to you, you need to be prepared to be a spiritual blessing back to them. In fact, you need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives right here, you need to be sensitive to what he is saying to you about being able to give back and say thank you because God could now use you to be a blessing to them. The believers in Jerusalem had taken the gospel to Antioch, chapter 11, verse 19. They then sent Barnabas to encourage and disciple these new Christians. Now it was time to give back, verse 29. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. I want to get a little technical this morning, but I think it will be a blessing to you. Verse 29 is an amazing verse. Well, we could say that about all the Bible, okay? But it's an amazing verse. Let me give it to you in the literal Greek. All right, here's what it says. Of the disciples... As anyone was well off, or they had means, each of those determined. Now let's stop for a moment. They had been led to Christ because of those who had been sent from Jerusalem. They had been discipled. They had learned everything that the Lord had commanded. And now, those in the church that had extra, they determined. Now, let me give you the Greek word for determined. See if you recognize it. Horizon. Kind of sounds like horizon. Okay, all right. That's the word. They determined. What's that mean? They marked off the horizon. You look there at the horizon and you see what's coming. They looked at what they saw ahead for the Jerusalem saints and they responded by sending relief. Let's talk about that word relief. It's the word diakonian where we get our word diakonos, deacon, or minister. What did they do? They sent ministers back. Let me illustrate it this way. Get the right pocket here, all right? They looked on the horizon. They saw that those believers in Jerusalem were going to have trouble. And so they reached in their wallets or purses, all right, and they pulled out ministers to send those ministers to be a blessing to the Christians in Jerusalem. Is this making any sense to you? It wasn't, well, let's give money. They didn't see it that way. That's what they did. But what they were doing is they had been sent ministers and now they're sending ministers back. By the way, that's a great way to look at missions, isn't it? 
Well, we, we need to give to faith promise. Oh, more money. No, no, stop. We get to send ministers to be a blessing and a help to the church all over the world. That should be our perspective. What an amazing verse. Now, these believers in Antioch had received ministers from Jerusalem. Now they were sending ministers back. They had seen the horizon, the trouble facing the Jerusalem church. They were sending ministers, probably in the form of Roman coinage, to say thank you and to minister to those needs in Jerusalem. Here's what else is interesting. Not everyone could participate. But those who were well off from the Lord okay, were used to give extra ministers to help those in Jerusalem, these Christians. Christians, by the way, who couldn't afford their next meal probably. By the way, the Lord is well pleased with this response. Remember, the Lord loves what kind of a giver? Cheerful giver. Somebody who, who gives joyously with the right perspective. If it pains you to give to the Lord, keep it. Ask God to fix your perspective. All right, what you have, you didn't give to you anyway. God gave it to you. And, uh, and there's plenty more from him where that came from. But, but have the right perspective. And the Lord is pleased with what they did in Antioch, and he's pleased when we say thank you and we give back. How do we know? Hebrews 6.10. Look at these words. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have, what is it? Ministered. Wow. Physical support to the saints, and you continue to minister. I agree with Pastor Coles. I believe the writer of Hebrews was the Apostle Paul. But this is a theme throughout his writings. Of course, we've just had missions conference, and we reflect on 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where with faith, promise, giving, all the same principles are in place. The context, by the way, in Hebrews, and commentators agree, was a later but another financial gift to the needy saints in Jerusalem. That's the context there in Hebrews. Now, Good News Baptist Church was not started by another church directly. But it pleases the Lord if we maintain the mindset of helping other churches in their need. The ministers that we send can be in the form of dollars, can be in the form of ministry teams. Not everyone here can participate, but the fact that you are here, listen, supporting this work here, enables us to help others and please the Lord. You're all part of the team. Every one of you who knows Christ and are part of this church. Or maybe you're visiting, you're part of another church. You're part of the team. And God expects and is pleased when he can work through you to say thanks and give back. This week is also Thanksgiving. Let me make this personal. If someone 
was responsible for you coming to Christ or discipling you, send a minister to them. That could be in the form of a card. Hey, I remember our Bible study together. I remember that you told me about Jesus in the workplace. Send a minister. Send a card. Be a blessing. Uh, you may say thank you through a gift. Uh, God may remind you about a, a particular need that they have. Ask God to help you meet that need. Okay, Be an encouragement as the Lord leads you. As you look on the horizon, you may see a trial that someone is facing. Help them directly in that trial as you pray for them and then respond. Say thank you to them as you also give back. Let me just pause for a moment and reflect on why the believers in Antioch were so grateful. And really, I'm speaking now to those of you that may not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Why were these folks willing to help this other church? Well, here's why. There was a day when these Roman citizens, just like every other person living in the other cities in the Greco-Roman Empire, they had wealth, they indulged in pleasure, but listen, they were absolutely empty inside. And by the way, when you're empty inside, you're fearful. You've got a lot of questions because you don't really know about eternity. And there were many across the empires, the Holy Spirit was working, that realized, you know what? What we believe in, the, all of these Greek and Roman gods, what we believe in, people made that up. They made it up. Crazy stories. And by the way, uh, the idols that we worship, some guy in a shop with a chisel, he's making these statues and then, okay, here's your God. Really? And the Lord tells us those that do that are like unto them, spiritually blind, can't touch, smell, see. And in the empire, though there was relative peace because Rome ruled with an iron fist, in those places, it, it, was, it was a fearful life. And if you went to the Colosseums, it was a bloody mess. And normal people realized, we've, we've got a problem here. In fact, those of us who visited Ephesus uh, last year in our trip to Greece and, and Turkey, uh, we got to, got to walk the streets of Ephesus. We got to be in the main theater where you'll remember uh, some individuals had worked up the entire city against the Apostle Paul. God spared his life but they're in that stadium, a stadium, by the way, that seated 30,000 people, built into the side of a mountain. Uh, we've got pictures of us sitting in that stadium. 
and people are shouting, great is, is uh, Diana of the Ephesians. And it was just confusion. And, and finally, the equivalent of the mayor of the city gets everybody calmed down and gets them to go home. But here's what we also noted when we visited Ephesus. There is still in that massive city a stadium that is still under dirt. They haven't opened it up. Archaeologists would like to, but what is really intriguing to everybody is what they're going to find in that stadium. Because in Ephesus, like in Rome, that's where when you went to be entertained, it was a bloody mess. There is one point in the scripture where Paul talks about fighting with lions in Ephesus. And there are Bible scholars that think that in fact, Paul ended up in that Colosseum in Ephesus, faced lions, and the whole city got to see God deliver him from those lions. That's one of those things I want to ask the Lord when we get to heaven. But here, here's the thing. Whether it's Corinth or Ephesus or Antioch of Syria, a bunch of empty people worshiping gods that are, are made of fairy tale stuff who needed answers to life. And then believers from Jerusalem come in there. They begin to preach. And some of those have Greek background. And they begin to preach to the Gentiles who are in that city. And God turns the light on. Wait a minute. I can be delivered from my sin, have it all forgiven, past, present, future. Because God sent his son to become a man, the God, not just a God, the God sent his son to become a man. And, and as the God-man, he went to the cross and he paid the debt I could not pay so that I could become a child of God and spend eternity with him. Really? Really? That's awesome. And they opened their hearts, repented, invited Jesus Christ to be their Savior. God gave them satisfaction of heart, removed their guilt. Now they have eternal life. And now they have an opportunity to give back and say thanks. I wonder if there's anyone here in our midst this morning, like, like the folks that filled this auditorium yesterday, if you were honest with yourself and with God, you'd have to say, I am not sure that if I were to die, my sins are forgiven and I'd be in heaven. Now, you may not be sure, but let me give you blessed hope. God says you can know for sure. You can know it. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe that ye may know you have eternal life. And God says this, if you'll believe in the work of Jesus Christ alone, put your trust in that, you have eternal life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord God, who he said he was, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead after what he did on the cross, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, a man or a woman believes and is made righteous, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then verse 13 says this, For whosoever, doesn't matter your background, ethnic, origin, doesn't matter, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
believing shall be what? Saved. That word means rescued. The Lord wants to rescue you today if you're not saved. That's why these new Christians in Antioch said, if we can be a help to those folks that were such a help to us, no problem. We're going to be a blessing to them. And now the text closes with verse 30, which also they did and sent it to the elders. That's a reference to the pastors in the Jerusalem church by the hands <coughs> excuse me, of Barnabas and Saul. Now this verse again is a powerful testimony of God's grace. Barnabas had been sent from the Jerusalem church to exhort these new believers in Antioch. We saw that back in verses 22 and 23. Now Barnabas carries the gifts from these new believers back to Jerusalem, but he's not alone. He's with Saul, who at one time had created havoc in that Jerusalem church, and now Saul is returning with Barnabas. As he enters this, their midst, bearing this much-needed help, what an encouragement that had to be to those, those Christians in Jerusalem. The door opens, in walks Barnabas, who had a direct impact in Antioch. Oh, and there's Saul. He also had been working alongside Barnabas to be a blessing in Antioch. But when Saul walks in, all right, here's the guy who had persecuted us severely. Now he's one of us. He's blood-bought. He's a Christian too. What an encouragement as he walked through that. Here's what God can do. God can save him, and through these guys and their ministry in Antioch, here's a gift from that church to say thank you to us. We're having a hard time, but, oh, isn't God good? The working of God had to be evident to the Christians in Jerusalem as this gift arrives at the hands of these two messengers. So let's close. The church in Antioch said thank you to the church of Jerusalem by giving back to them this monetary gift delivered by Barnabas and Saul. But here's the big picture, fellow Christian. The Lord Jesus was building his church by apostles and prophets, New Testament prophets, and even saw Christians with grateful hearts who wanted to be a blessing to those who had been a spiritual blessing to them. And all of this is happening as God, begins, as God continues to build and strengthen his church. May we always be ready to say thank you to those who have impacted us spiritually. Who, who has had an impact on your life? May we be ready to say thank you and then respond to their needs, realizing that this is ultimately thanksgiving to our great God who has met all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So what will you do to say thanks and give back? Father, thank you for this text today. Thank you for those You've, you have placed in our lives to bring us to a knowledge of Christ and then to disciple us. 
Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have when, when maybe they're facing a difficulty to be able to respond with encouragement and love and even helping to meet their physical needs. And Lord, it's, it brings glory to you. It ministers to the body. And your great work continues on this earth. Lord, I believe you've spoken to our hearts today. May we be willing to respond. Responding to what you have said to us in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.